have this uh, situation where Isaac and Rebecca, uh, Rebecca was barren for some 20 years. Isaac prayed and God gave her twins. But they fought even prenatally. It was kind of a symbol of the relationship that they were going to have with each other and that their descendants, two nations, were going to have with each other. And uh, when they came out, Jacob came out, grabbed on to Esau's heel, which also was kind of symbolic of e Jacob's um, manner. He was always grabbing things for himself. He was kind of a schemer, a conniver. And uh, the first incident that we see in their lives uh, really shows that. So would somebody uh, read Genesis 25, 27 to 34? When the boys grew up, Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the field, but Jacob was a peaceful man living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he had a taste for game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. When Jacob had cooked stew, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. And Esau said to Jacob, Please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I am famished. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said, First sell me your birthright. Esau said, Behold, I am about to die, so of what use then is the birthright to me? And Jacob said, First swear to me. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Alright, so the two boys grow up, and uh, Esau is a hunter, Jacob is more of a homebody, and uh, you see something right off the bat in verse uh, uh, 28 that's not very good. What is it? Favoritism. Parental favoritism. That seems to be kind of plagued that whole family. And it always is a detrimental thing. And uh, that, that's, I think, something worth thinking about a little bit. Because that is a problem in our day as well. You know, something that, that the Old Testament shows as a problem in families there. It's not surprising people don't change a whole lot. Um, why do you think Isaac favored Esau and Rebekah favored Jacob? Isaac had a taste for game. Yeah. And, you know, he Esau's the hunter. You know, they kind of shared a common interest, and Isaac seems to be really governed by his uh, palate, you know, his appetite. And uh, why would Rebecca more favor Jacob, do you think? He was the one that was always around and was at home and able to help her do stuff and wasn't some wild, crazy hunter guy. So... They, they favored the, each one of them, the son that was more like them, that had more of common interest, common inclination. And it's really detrimental when you have this. And we'll see later on it is as well. One parent favors one, the other parent favors the other. It just breeds strife and, and difficulty. And is, is, is something that, that is really not good. That's not the only reason parents favor one child over others. Can you think of some other reasons sometimes a particular child is favored? 
because it's the firstborn. All right, the oldest one sometimes is favored, you know, because after all, they've had the older one longer, you know, and they feel more attachment. What other child sometimes is favored? The youngest one, the youngest one sometimes <laughs> is. Because the youngest one is the baby of the family. We'll look at that in a minute. But sometimes it's the baby of the family, you know, and I don't know, there's something about a special sort of attachment to the youngest one, you know, the one that's going to be around, you know, the longest. And, and sometimes, you know, you'll see pa parents kind of catering to the, the desires of the youngest one and things like that. that that's something you see sometimes. Um, sometimes, you said the best looking one, but sometimes the child that's most outstanding in, in something or other. You know that maybe is the parents uh, the parents value maybe the child that's the best in school or maybe the child that's the most athletic or something like that 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 child may get favored and and the others you know I was just uh, interesting I was just uh, texting a kid last night who I don't really know how his parents deal with it but he's he's very much feels himself inferior to his older brother and his older sister because he doesn't do as well in school. And he was just really, he said, why can't I be like them? Well, I don't know if the parents are, in, you know, I don't know them well enough, but it's easy to have that. It's easy for, you know, s some siblings to feel superior and others to feel inferior because of a particular ability in something, and parents can egg that on. If that's what they really, you know, well, and if parents say things like, uh, why can't you do that like your brother does? That is not a good idea. You know, uh, wow. Um, what other child is sometimes fake? Sometimes it's the underdog. The underdog in what sense? What would be examples of the well, underdog? Um, uh, a, a child who's afflicted or yes. uh, parents feel sorry for this one. Absolutely. Down syndrome or something? Yeah. Well, yes. Uh, or other handicaps. You know, it, really almost any kind of handicap. A sickly child or a child that um, is, is, is not very good at a lot of stuff or maybe has some kind of physical abnormality. And, and you know, parents feel sorry for the child. They, they identify with the child. And, and who is it worst on if parents really favor a child? The child that's not being favored? I don't no, think so. Child. I think it's probably worse for the favored child. It almost seems like it wouldn't be. But, you know, I, I see sometimes like a, a child who is handicapped or who's been really sickly or something. The parents just cater to them, give them everything they want, do everything they... Uh, never discipline, never correct. Well, that's the worst thing you can do with a child. It'd be better. It's not good, but it'd be better to be too harsh and too strict than just cater to the child, give them everything they want, never cross them in any way like David uh, with Adonijah. That's the worst thing you can do. So if the parent would only realize you favor this child, you're actually hurting them, you know? And it's kind of like, you almost make it like, well, you just can't do anything. You know, you take parents who, who, who maybe take the youngest or a, a child with some kind of a handicap, and they try to do everything for them, you know? And they, they make a big distinction. It makes the child feel like they're worthless. You know, like I, I must not be anything because mom and dad think I, I can't handle anything. I can't do anything. They have to, you know, do everything for me, look over my shoulder and everything. Sometimes it's the complaining or demanding or difficult child and you kind of favor them because, you know, it's just easier. Uh, sometimes each parent has his own favorite. 
Um, I'm not saying that some kids won't be punished more than other kids. You know, some sometimes parents try to be, um, you know, equal with their kids in the wrong kind of a way. You know, being fair and just doesn't mean they all get the same punishment. They don't always all do the same crimes. You know, some children need more punishment than others. It doesn't mean that older, more mature, more more mature, more, more mature children don't get maybe some freedoms that the younger children wouldn't get. You know, they may not all have the same bedtime, you know, or whatever as they get older. That's not playing favorites, that's just respecting the age and, and, and development of the child. So it's not that you, you do exactly the same thing with every child, but it's that you don't have favorites. You deal with every child according to their needs and their, you know, situation. And uh, you love each of the children the same way, trying to do what's best for each one. And when you don't, it's like this. I don't know, that may have been too much to say about all that, but do you have comments or questions on that? If you're a child, think about how you will treat your own children. Don't think about how you're treated, so. Um, well, this situation, Jacob and Esau. What's Jacob been doing? What's Esau been doing? Jacob was cooking. Esau was, Esau comes in and he's starving. And Jacob has the food. And so Esau asked for some of that stuff that he cooked, some of that, you know, stew or whatever. And uh, what is Jacob's attitude? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, first sell me your birthright. Then I'll give you the stew. Now, what was the birthright? Double portion given to the eldest son. Exactly. When, when, when the father dies, his inheritance would be divided up into one more part than there were kids. And, uh, or sometimes male, boys. And the oldest one gets twice as much. In this case, you got two boys. So you divide the inheritance in thirds. The oldest one gets two-thirds. The youngest one gets one-third. Now, if you had five, divide it in sixths. Then the oldest one gets two-sixths. Then the other, one get one, other ones all get one-sixth, whatever. So really, in this case, when Esau sells his birthright to Jacob, what was he selling? A third, A third of the estate. It's expensive steel. That must have been gold-plated, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Isaac had a lot of flocks and herds and all that. He was a fairly well-to-do man. A third of his estate? On, on stew. Now, what do you see? What do you see in Jacob? He, he's, he's taken advantage of a situation that he's a conniver. No compassion. Yeah. He's not content with his role and what his lot appears to be appears to be going to be. Yeah. He's exploiting his brother's weakness. He's cold, he's calculating, and you know, God's promise had already been the older will serve the younger, but he doesn't seem to be willing to wait for what God's promised. He's got to, you know, help that out with his own scheme. And what's even worse, Esau says, okay, and Jacob says, 
Swear to me. You know, he's not even willing to do it on a handshake. You know, you make an oath that you'll give me your birthright. Wow. Do you ever take advantage of people's weaknesses? Kind of exploit them. Well, if they're dumb enough to do it, I'm man enough to take it kind of a thing. You know, how selfish are we? You know, how many times do we scheme and plot our way into blessings? This is just not fair. I don't care if Esau does do it. Jacob is not treating Esau right. Esau was hungry. Now we'll talk about his problems in a minute. Jacob made the stew. Give it to your brother. You know, what a, what a ruthless way of dealing with your own brother. You won't give him stew until he sells you a third of the estate? You know, that's pretty ridiculous. And how many times had Esau probably brought in meat that Jacob used to make stew? <laughs> uh, I mean, if he provided a lot of food for them. Yeah, you know, it's really bad when you see this kind of situation in families. You know, one brother cooks something and then he, then he wants to sell it to his other brother? I mean, just really a bad attitude all the way around. Uh, and you see that sometimes. I suspect fostered by the favoritism of the parents. I mean, that, that's going to set up more of a climate of taking advantage of each other. I don't know, thoughts or comments on Jacob's side of this equation? Well, what do you see in Esau? An over-exaggerator? I guess. Like he's never eaten before. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, another another thirty minutes to cook something, he's just not gonna make it. You know, he'll pass out and die of hunger. Like there's nothing nothing else in the camp at all that could possibly be you know, there's not leftover stale bread <laughs> yeah. or peanut butter or you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, put something in the microwave, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it also says he despised his birthright. So, that's well, what, so what are you seeing? What's the underlying problem that he has? He doesn't value something that he should. Yes. What doesn't he value? His inheritance. But what is that? Why doesn't he value that? Is he short-sighted? Yes. He's putting a high price on what he immediately wants right then, his immediate impulse. He's, he, he basically sacrifices the future on the altar of the immediate. How many times do we do that? This is what I feel right now. This is what I want right now. But it's going to really hurt you later. I don't care. I want it right now. This is what I feel. We think about the now and we forget about the, the high price. You know, trading his future in on a bowl of soup. You think, what an idiot. You know, what in the world was he thinking? But what do we think when we know it will cost us, it will hurt us, but it's what I want right now. That's the lesson in Esau. And we really need that. To <clears throat> so often we put our immediate gratification ahead of what really is going to be important in the long run. What do you think? Nobody, nobody likes to think of themselves as a slave, but 
you know, in, in this case, when we act like this, we are slaves, slaves of our own appetites. And that's, that's, that's pretty sad. Absolutely. When you let your stomach control you, or other, you know, desires, that's not smart. I mean, what, how, how low? I mean, do you want to think of yourself that way? You know, food just controls you? Or gratifying other fleshly desires just controls you? How, how empty, how superficial. How many of the Proverbs would, would touch on some, some part of this, this uh, problem and would condemn it in one way or another? Well, Proverbs, for one thing, are always guarding against hastiness, you know. Haste to be wealthy, haste to gratify our desires, and, you know, hasty to get angry, and hasty to speak, and you know, all that kind of stuff. And that's what you got. He wants it now. You know, I gotta eat. You know, we think about what, you know, we got to have it, we got to have it now. Do you remember the uh, comment that's made in Hebrews 12 about this? Really helpful passage to think about in connection with this. Because the Hebrew writer just uses this to teach a lesson. He says that there be no immoral or godless person like Esau. This Hebrews 12, 16. There be no immoral or godless person like Esau who sold his own birthright for a single meal. For you know that even afterwards, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought for it with tears. You know, later he wanted it back, and it's too late. You know, he just sold it for nothing. But do you understand the point the Hebrew writer's making? Look down at Hebrews 12, verse 23. We have come to the general assembly and church of the firstborn ones who are enrolled in heaven. Who are the firstborn ones who are enrolled in heaven? God's people. Yes, us. So we're like Esau. We're the firstborn ones who stand to inherit the great blessings God has for his people. How many times do God's firstborn ones sell their future for some selfish, fleshly, immediate desire? We can, we're in exactly the same position as Esau, only our estate is worth way more than his was. And sometimes we sell it for even less than he got out of it. If you see how stupid what he does what, did was, don't do it with your inheritance. I think that's a powerful point in that context. Comments or questions on all? Um, uh, chapter 26, the one chapter that sort of looks at Isaac himself. Um, and there are some things that we can see in this chapter. Uh, for one thing, you'll see some 